We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I miss my guy. Ryan Roberts is back. So actually, Ryan, we had somebody ask in the chat last week, does Ryan Roberts still work for Irish Breakdown? Oh, no. Uh, so I so said, yes, he does. He was on a family vacation. So he is back, refreshed, recharged, and ready to rock and roll. Ryan, uh, welcome back, man. We missed you. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. It was, uh, I would just like to say this, Brian, before I went though, I was planning to do some work and be on the board a little bit and you threatened to uh, lock me out of all accounts. So I I, I appreciate it though. It was a, it was a great week. We got to go down to Disney with the little one and the wife and everything. It was a great week off, no doubt, but I'm excited to get back into it, man. I know it's, uh, recruiting doesn't stop. I see people, people committing over, you know, over the break, not to Notre Dame and, some more visits getting set up, and it's it's crazy as always, man. But I appreciate getting back here. Well, what what's my number one rule? What's what's my number one rule for Irish breakdown, Ryan? Family first, man. That's family right. first, family yes. first, and that's yes, what sir. you needed to do last week. So, Ryan, we're going to talk a little bit of Notre Dame recruiting today. Brian Smith filled in for you last week, and we went through sort of the offensive board and just kind of talked about you know what does Notre Dame need to do on that side of the ball to land a gap closing class. Sure. And we're going to do the same thing today with the offense or the defense. Now, the difference is, is the offense already has some gap closers in the class, like some tr- true, like top. Because, again, what do we mean by gap closers? One is just the obvious. It's the best of the best. You're taking guys from other top teams. You're landing top players. You're clearly making a big chunk on closing the gap. That's number one. Number two, and I'm and I've kind of flipped it because I, I think it's important to put that one number one. And then number two, the other type is, does this make you better? Because if it makes you better, you're still closing the gap. You're just closing the gap smaller and slower. And so those are the two types. And then with with this conversation, it's also more about, but it's not always just about landing a gap closer at a position. It's also about landing a unit that is gap closing. And I think when you look at the Notre Dame offensive line, uh, that's a, a, a an example, like you may not have five gap closers in and of themselves, but as a group, you have a gap closing an elite offensive line. And that's something that people need to understand too. Last year's receiver class is a perfect example, right? And there was not a single guy in that group that I ranked as a top 50 national recruit, not one, but I graded them all out as four stars. Yeah. And, and, and two of them as top hundred guys. And honestly, I probably should have had Rico Flores there, but I just didn't want to pull the punch. Cause I was just like, you know, as good as he was as a senior, and just some of the things we saw from him, but the injury late in the year, I just felt like, you know, this is going to come across as like a little bit too pro Notre Dame, but he's showing already in fall camp that, or spring ball, that he he's a legit player too. So even though there was no, you know, there was no Brandon Innes, there was no Cardinal Tate, there was no Shelton Sampson, a guy that I believe is a gap closer. I still can't believe people don't have him in the top under. But you look at those guys. There isn't that guy. None of them graded as high as Tobias Merriweather individually, for example. But as a four-man unit, that is flat out a gap-closing class. And so today, the focus is going to be as much on the, the units as it's going to be on the individuals. Because you can also have a great player at a position and not have a great unit. Perfect example is Notre Dame's linebacking core back in 2015. You had the best linebacker in college football, but as a unit, it wasn't a great linebacking core. Sure. So that's what we're going to kind of focus on 
today. And we have to begin, Ryan, with the Notre Dame commits because it's kind of funny when you look at the class as a whole, where we are right now on defense, and we've got people losing their minds over the D-line class and linebacker class and safety class. And to a degree, Ryan, I understand it. I mean, we have our concerns too. But just want to remind you all that where the defensive class is right now is exactly where the offensive class was a year ago when everybody's panicking and freaking out. When's Tommy Reese going to get another recruit? You know, uh, when's Tommy Reese and this offensive staff going to pull their weight? Well, look what they did by the end. Because at the end of the day, it's what you do at the end. You don't get graded for where you were in April. You get graded on where you are at the end. Defensive class has a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do with the staff. But they they do have three kids in the class, and I think that that's kind of where I want to start, Ryan, is, is first of all setting the table for who they have in the class. And to me, the guy that, that I'll be honest with you, Ryan, that is the top defensive player in the class for me, as much as I love love Leonard Moore as a player and love his upside, the top guy for me, Ryan, is Owen Wafel. And he was not a guy that I, as you know, I was not super high on Owen Wafel as a sophomore. I was like, okay, this is like a, a Kurt Heinish type, which is fine, you know, but it's just not like that needle mover. Owen Wafel as a junior was a whole lot better player. And now I grade him as a top 150 guy that can play nose or three technique or potentially even some five technique and a three down look. Although I really prefer him the way that Notre Dame plays. I prefer him as, as a guy that's, inside and I think when he came to Notre Dame in January he was 292 yep. he's got very long arms this is a kid that you know they got early didn't really fire me up but when you when you start breaking down the film of his junior film Ryan you see a kid that that is a a really good football player so much better start we always a lot of concern about the defensive line Ryan but we forget this kid's in the class and this kid's yes. pretty We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I I forget sometimes. I think we don't talk en- enough about Owen because for very simple, I mean, for, for some reasons that were very legitimate, Brian. I mean, when Owen Wafel committed to Notre Dame, he was a 6'2", 6'2 265-ish pound defensive lineman, right? Where you're like, right. is he a strong side defensive end? Is he going to be a three-tech? And he was coming off a sophomore year where – I mean, he played fullback on offense a little bit. He played defensive line, but he had like five tackles for loss and a sack as a sophomore, right? So you're like, (laughs) the production wasn't great. He's an undersized defensive lineman. Like you hear all the great stories about like his dad played in college. He's six foot six. Maybe Owen will have a growth spurt. And I mean, he did a little bit, right? He got up to about six foot three right now. He's 290 plus pounds. Now he is very projectable inside, right? It's no, no more conversation about, Strong side end, maybe three tech. Like this kid's an interior defensive yeah, lineman. He's a three technique, or I like him as a nose. I mean, I think yeah. he can play nose now. I mean, now he looks like what Kurt Heinisch did as a junior in college. You exactly. know, when you see him, Ryan, and he's a he's a very explosive player. 
uh, I, 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 I mean, he, he's again, he's a guy that has done a, I've done a 180 on. And look, kudos to the Notre Dame staff, kudos to Al Washington and Chad Bowden and Al Golden and Marcus Freeman, all the guys that were kind of a part of evaluating this kid because it was one where they got him. I honestly, I said to you, you know, privately, I think they took him too soon. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know why they needed to take this kid this soon. Well, now you see as a junior, like, oh, well, I'm glad they got on him before the rest of America got on him because this kid's a really good football player, right? Yeah, no, he really is, man, and he's a he's a difference maker because I think mm-hmm. the things that you see, Brian, is like he brings the baseline, which is exciting, right? It's because he's yeah. he's gonna be 300 plus pounds. He's incredibly strong. You could tell that he doesn't miss a workout, right? Like he is right. a physically imposing player. But that first step's different, guys. Like that's not a you, that's not a, a a just ordinary first step for a two hundred ninety right. plus pounder. Like he has the ability, I think, to play some two gap, but to be a one gap penetrator, to be a guy that can create a lot of mayhem and a lot of a lot of havoc in the backfield, man. Like I no. think that we underrate him just because maybe Notre, maybe we perceive them to. And I agree with you because I was on the same wavelength. I was like, I think it's a little bit early for this guy. Like he's a depth. But you did like him class. more than I did. In fairness, you did bit, like him more than bit. I did. But you bit, weren't like, yeah. oh, this guy's going to be a top one hundred and fifty player when he was a junior. But you definitely right. liked him more than I did. Uh, yes. So I'll give you, I'll give you credit for that. But that's a that's a really nice pickup. Good way to start the class because interior they needed true and they need true interior guys in this class. I mean, they really only signed one true interior player last year. They didn't sign any true, well, only one true interior player the year before. Now, some of those guys will move inside. Tyson Ford's already moved inside. Uh, one guy from last year's end class will probably move inside. But there's no true interior guys, and, and he became, in my opinion, a true interior guy. Yes. And and that's that's an important that's an important one for me uh, there that now he's not alone. Obviously there's more, there's more in this class. Notre Dame has a commitment also uh, from Leonard Moore, who is a Texas kid, Ryan, that I, everybody knows I'm, I'm very high on. You're very high on as well uh, from round rock, Texas played against Braylon James last year. Obviously they know each other. Well, very underrated by most, although I did see that rivals in their most recent ranking update ranked him number one fifty overall. I think that's fair. I think it's a fair ranking for Leonard, but I think he's going to end up being better than that. He's a guy that I did give a a five-star upside grade to. He needs work, technical work, but long, athletic, and really fits into what Mike Mickens likes at cornerback. Mike Mickens, if you haven't been paying attention, his entire career, going back to Nick Johnson at Bowling Green, and then obviously Ahmad Gardner and Kobe Bryant and the guys he recruited at, at, uh, at Cincinnati, now you look at him now with Benjamin Morrison, who's only six feet, but long. You look at the, the guys he recruited, Christian Gray, six feet, long. Uh, Cam Hart, what he's done with Cam Hart. Mike Mickens likes length. Yes. And that's absolutely what Leonard Moore brings to the table. And, and he's another guy too, Brian, that I think that the interesting part about Leonard Moore is that he also brings something that I, I would say is kind of a rare thing for his size, right? Like he's six one, six foot two, long. He's got that press man look to him. But the ability that he has to change direction for his size is pretty legitimate, man. Like it's not, it's very unique for him, right? So you really see I, it when he's returning kicks in on offense. You really you can. really can. I mean, because I, I look at him and I'm like, this kid I think is going to be a coverage diverse player. And when I say that, I mean that he can do a lot of different things, right? Like he's not just a press man kid he's not just a cover three kid I think he could play some off man at the next level and I think that he can read and react close downhill and he can change direction he can do a lot of nice things and like you said I mean there's some false steps in his footwork there's some you know uh, I think just all coachable stuff yes things that he just needs to hone in on a little bit things that he needs to focus on a little bit more all technical aspects all the unteachables that he has the things that are god-given length athleticism it's all there. You don't need improvement on that, right? It'll only get better as he's in a Matt Bayless strength program. He gets bigger, faster, stronger. But from a technical aspect, you mm-hmm. love the ability for a guy like a Leonard Moore to work with Mike Mickens, man. Like mm-hmm. that, 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 that. Well, Mike Mickens and Matt Bayless, that duo of yes. Leonard Moore working with those two guys is what gets you fired up. And, and why I say, I mean, his upside is there's, we're going to talk about some other corners on the board, but Leonard Moore to me is upside as high as any of them. And, and, and I think the thing that you nailed too, Ryan, is that positional versatility. He can play field, he can play boundary. And I think he could be a cover safety as well. in, in certain looks, if you're playing, like if you're playing a team like a USC and you decide you want to have Christian gray on the outside and you want to have, you know, Benjamin Morrison on the other side, or maybe Caleb Beasley some down the road, and you've got Micah Bell in the slot, and you want to put Leonard Moore as your deep safety, 
to give you that range against a team like USC, against a team like Ohio State, makes a lot of sense because he, he, he has tackling potential too. That's the other thing is you don't see it a ton on his highlights, but you see it on game film. He yep. is a willing tackler. And, and again, with more time on Matt Bates, that's the one throw I love because he's actually not guarding that route, but he's playing that cover three. And his ability to squeeze down is just really impressive. So I think, Ryan, you know, that 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 to me is, is a really strong one-two punch to me, to the class. Obviously, we've been honest about – well, I've been honest. I shouldn't speak for you. I'm not as high on Carson Hobbs as others. As I'm not as high as, on Carson Hobbs as Notre Dame is. However – there are certain coaches on the staff that kind of get the benefit of the doubt with me. And I'm like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to be, I'm not going to say that you made a bad evaluation. I'm not going to say you shouldn't have taken it. I'm not saying any of that because you've earned that. And Mike Mickens is one of those guys that's earned that with just what he's yeah. done at all of his stops at Bowling Green at Cincinnati at, uh, I mean, cause if, if Notre Dame would have signed Ahmad Gardner coming to high school, I'm like, seriously, are you kidding me? This guy's not even a top thousand player. He weighs 145 pounds. What are they doing? Was like, he a two-star? He was a two-star, two wasn't star. he? Garner? I'd have ripped yeah. Notre Dame for that. I'd have ripped yeah. Notre Dame for signing for, for if they'd have signed Kobe Bryant out of high school. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Those guys are pros now, and Ahmad Gardner was a top 10 NFL draft pick. Mike Mickens knows how to evaluate corners. <laughs> so yes. he, he, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. The thing I do like about Carson O'Ryan is he's a smart kid. He's a tough kid. And he plays in, against really good football teams and, and, and plays against a very, in a very competitive league and more than holds his own. I mean, in shine. So um, if that's your worst kid, I can live that and look, flip the kid from an SEC school. I can dig that. I, I, I'll take that. So you know, it, it's a good foundation. You're pretty much met your needs at corner. We'll dive into that one here next, Ryan. But you know, where they are right now is obviously hold on to the kids that they have, which I'm confident they will. And now it's building on it. And and yep. and I think that we'll just kind of lead into to sort of what the needs are. I think it, and we'll start with just quickly corner. They don't need another corner; they want another corner. And we'll dive into that board here in a little bit. Safety, they need three, especially the loss of Brandon Hillman. D line, I think right now you need to add four more. I think you could potentially go to five if the right guy comes, which we'll discuss. And then linebacker, it's two to three. I think it's a, is a sweet spot for where they are right now when it comes to defensive recruits. So let's just, as we kind of dive under the board, Ryan, let's just get cornerback out of the way quickly. As we said, there's not a need for another corner, but they want another corner. And I'll say this, a third corner is what's needed for this to become a true gap closing class in my view. And really there's two names on the board. There was three, John Mitchell committed to Penn State. I would imagine the staff is still going to try to recruit him, but that's going to be a little bit of a tougher one. Aaron Scott from Springfield, Ohio is on the board. He visited recently, likes Notre Dame a lot, but I think they're, they've just sat in that number three spot behind Ohio State and Michigan this entire time. And I think he likes Notre Dame. He likes Mike Mickens. He likes the staff, but I just don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to get ahead of Michigan and Ohio State at any point in time. And I think Ohio State's the team to beat there. Then there's Caleb Beasley. I think if Notre Dame's going to get a th- third corner, I think this is the guy that they really want. This is the guy they've wanted for a long time. You know, they they thought they were going to get him this summer, or had a shot. He goes to Tennessee. Tennessee rides that really hot start to their season into getting a commitment from Caleb Beasley. He has visited Notre Dame. He has remained in contact with Notre Dame the entire time. Yes. And so it's not going to be easy to flip an in-state kid from Tennessee, but Caleb Beasley's a different kid, high academic kid, Family loves Tennessee, but they also love Notre Dame. He's a, I mean, he's a Notre Dame kid. He's a Notre Dame fit. I mean, if we're being honest about it. So Caleb Beasley is a kid to me, Ryan, that that's pretty much the, the make or break. That's the guy that I think the staff is focused on is that sort of that top guy on the board. And they're going to try to flip him. Because, and, and there's no need to expand the board, to be honest with you, Ryan, like to a Marcellus Barnes, in my opinion, because you've got your needs. Yep. Now it's about, can you get a dude to go here? And I think, getting Caleb Beasley completely changes. I, I like the corner class now. It fits with last year's class really well, which is a thinner, you know, Micah Bell's lit a small, uh, mm-hmm. Christian Gray's big time, but he's you know skinny. These are bigger kids in this class, yeah. the balance last year's class. So it's a good corner class, but it's not a gap-closing corner class, in my opinion. They need Caleb Beasley in this class for it to become that. It doesn't mean it's not a good class. It just means – it's not quite where the last two classes are because as much as I love learning more, I don't have him as high as Christian Gray right now. And I don't have him, definitely don't have him as high as Benjamin Morrison, who I had as right. a top 100 guy coming out. But it's close. You just need that, 
that Beasley impact. And we'll see if they can get it done, Ryan, but that's really the key in this class of corner. Well, I think that, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I think that the cornerback class just has a really good baseline to it right now, right? You're like, you have two good football players on the board. You have one that I think has legitimate upside to be a very good football player on the next level. But I think the key here is, is that you are shooting now, not for a need, but for a want, right? What, what, who can take you to the next level to your point, right? Who is a gap closer? Caleb Beasley's a gap closer. That's a kid that helps to continue to transform your cornerback room into one of the best in college football. That's what Caleb Beasley can bring. And I would say this too, Brian, is if you have those three corners who are all bigger corners, right? You talked about Leonard Moore being right around six foot two. You talk about Carson Hobbs being six foot, 190 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. And you talk about Caleb Beasley. Caleb Beasley is another six foot and a half, 190-ish plus pound cornerback as well. All three of those guys, we're going to talk about the safety board in a little bit, right? All three of those guys could play safety down the line too. So you might potentially nope. strengthen a couple different positions if you're able to land a three-man right. cornerback class. So th- I think this is more an overarching analysis here, right, is that not only does it continue to strengthen the cornerback room and you add a gap close from Caleb Beasley if you get a three-man class, but you also just strengthen the secondary in general. Like let's forget about cornerback for a second. It could strengthen the safety position potentially because then you can afford to like, hey, Carson, we love you at corner, but like we got a couple of dudes here and you could really yeah. help us at safety, man. Like you might be a starting safety down the line. It's possible. And they'd like to have a corner body, a big corner yeah. body at nickel. I mean, that's sure. clearly the, I mean, who are the nickels right now? It's Thomas Harper, who is a safety, but is built like a corner. He's got a corner body. Yep. It's, it's Clarence Lewis and it's Ryan Barnes. It's three corner bodies, right? Or corners. And so I think they'd ultimately like to have that. And look, guys, look at the schedule. Look at the schedule the next three, four years. There's a lot of spread teams. There, like this year, for example, Ryan, I would I would contend that we're going to see Notre Dame and nickel as much as we're going to see them in their base defense, if not more, against yeah. almost every good team that they play. They're going to be that way against Ohio State. I think they're going to be that way against Virginia now that Virginia's rub, running Robert and I's offense. They're uh, and we saw Notre Dame do a little bit of that in 2021 against Virginia. They're going to be that way against Ohio State. They're going to be that way against Duke. They're going to be that way against Louisville. They're going to be that way against USC. They're going to be that way probably against Clemson, I would imagine, against what Garrett Riley does. So, I mean, what's the team they're not going to be that way against? Pitt? Navy? Yeah. Right? Like, like who, who's the big opponent on the schedule? Wake Forest, they're going to be that way. Stanford now with Troy Taylor as the head coach, they're probably going to be in a lot of nickel. Oh, yeah. So it's important. That, so when you say you get three corners, like, well, one of those guys is going to have to sit the bench. Well, not necessarily. Because, because Tariq Bracey was basically a starter last year, even though he didn't necessarily technically start every game. Well, and, and I think that you look at, again, I always go back to the Cincinnati days, right? When Marcus Freeman was there, when Mike Mickens was there, Brian, when Kobe Bryant and Ahmad Sauce Gardner were at outside corner, who was their nickel? It was Arquan Bush who ends up moving to outside corner as a senior after those guys leave. So to, your, to strengthen your point as far as what they want, you look at the Cincinnati roots and say, they had a six foot, 190 plus pound corner playing nickel in their defense, right? Like they didn't have Tariq Bracey at 5'10 and 180 pounds playing nickel, right? Like a true nickel body. They had a cornerback playing nickel. They even had Brian Cook at Cincinnati, who was a converted corner playing safety, who would come down in the slot and play a lot of man to man coverage at times for Cincinnati. So I think even expansion beyond the nickel position, because I agree, they definitely want a corner outside cornerback body at nickel. They also don't mind having converted corners at safety either. Like they like those guys that have versatility on the back end. Cause what does that versatility bring? It brings the ability to be multiple, right? Like you don't have to run one specific coverage. You can run man across the board. You can run some two high stuff. You can run some single high, you know, zone stuff. You can do a little bit of everything when you have guys that are versatile in the back end that can do a little bit of everything. So yeah, man, I think that they definitely want that type of guy. I mean, could I see a world where Kayla Beasley and Leonard Moore, the starting outside corners and Carson Hobbs is a nickel. If Kayla Beasley does end up in Notre Dame, I could see that hundred percent down the line because they have miss mix and match skill sets, I think is the best way to put it. And I think that it could really, it's really the, where the game is going today, man. Like you're even seeing in the NFL, the age of, you know, the nickel corner that's 5'9", 185 pounds, that's dead now, man. You're, you're seeing guys now of the 
Jalen Ramsey body types playing a lot of nickel now. Like it's just a different game than it was even just five to 10 years ago. And I think that's the evolution of the game. And I think that's where Notre Dame's going with it too. So let's move on to the defensive line, Ryan. I think this probably is is the biggest concern for me. Uh, not concern that I'm worried, but just this the, the concern from they need a big year on the defensive line. Yeah. I think Notre Dame is at a place right now, Ryan, where they signed a very good defensive class a year ago. Now, for different reasons, and people, you're very hard on Al Washington, but they signed one of the 10 best defensive line classes in the country. Very true. It, it was – Here's a couple issues I had with it. A lot of three of the four, well, really three, all the guys are kind of the same guy for the most part. Devin Houston's more of a pure interior guy, but a lot of similarities, but the three ends are basically the same guy. Yep. And they're very similar to what you signed the year before. We haven't seen Notre Dame sign a true Viper in a couple of years. Now they've had a couple linebackers that have moved there, but now that takes away from that great linebacker class that you had two years ago. And eventually Notre Dame has got to stop stealing from other positions to fill out their depth charts. We see that in the secondary. Right now, your your two starting safeties this year are going to be guys, most likely, that played other positions to start their career and weren't recruited to play safety. You, you've got to start filling the needs there. Defensive line, kind of the same way. So you, you, you've signed, in my opinion, two pretty good defensive line classes in a row, in my view. Yeah. You know, we'll see how they pan out, but I love the Tyson Ford. They didn't go by our Donovan Heinish class. I think they were a guy short, numbers-wise. Last year, they signed four. I think numbers-wise, they were good with the four. Didn't sign a Viper. Now you go into this class, Ryan, and it's like you need this third straight strong class right now. And it's going to take some work for them to get there. Having Wafel in the class is a great start. Because now how you fill out the rest of the class is going to, you know, you could determine where you want to play him. Yep. And I think having Wafel in the class, to me, helps you with sort of your top recruit. Because when we look at it, we said they need to sign four. We're going to kind of break this down into the must-gets, right? And there's one flat-out, absolute must-get in the 2024 class on the entire team, and it's a defensive lineman in Justin Scott. Like, that is the guy, Ryan, that when this class ends, there can be no excuses. You have to get that one done. You need Justin Scott in this class. Well, I mean, we've joked about it a lot, right? But it's the prestigious Catholic school in Chicago thing again, right? A five-star defensive lineman from a prestigious Catholic school in the city of Chicago, an hour and a half away from campus. And those things are inexcusable. They are 100%. When you have a kid, especially one that has had a big love for Notre Dame for a long time, like this isn't something where he's like, oh yeah, Notre Dame's cool. Like maybe I'll go there. It's like, he wanted an offer for Notre Dame for a very long time. And, you know, we've gone down this rat hole of the backstory of, you know, them not offering in time. And so we're not going to get into that too much. The point blank period to it today is on April 17th. Justin Scott is a must get in this class. And for a lot of different reasons, though, not just the regional stuff, not just the Catholic school stuff, not just, you know, defensive tackle stuff. This kid is a legitimate top 10 player potentially in the 2025 class when it's all said and done. He is that type of potential player. And when you look at your roster, if you're Notre Dame, I like a lot of what they have from the young guy perspective on the interior. I mean, we've seen what, you know, a guy like Jason Onye has been doing this spring, right? He's really starting to take that step forward. We talk about guys like Tyson Ford hopefully taking a step forward through the rest of the spring. You talk about Devin Houston, although limited this spring. You talk about Donovan Heinish. We talk about already having Owen Wafel in the 2024 class. Like All that stuff is really good, and it's very attractive for moving forward. But what Justin Scott brings is kind of that combination of upside and floor that maybe you're a little short on on the interior, right? A guy that at six foot four, six foot five, 310 pounds from day one, he's not only going to upgrade the size that you have on the interior, he's going to give you playmaking potential at that size as well. And Notre Dame hasn't had enough of that. That's one spot over the last couple of years that Notre Dame has needed more of, right? Playmaking size on the interior. That's what Justin Scott brings. Yes. He's a rare talent on the interior that an hour and a half away from campus, a player that loves Notre Dame and wanted a Notre Dame offer for the longest time, you have to close on that guy, man. There's no excuse not to get him. You need Justin Scott. He meets a need. He's a regional player. He's a guy that loves Notre Dame. He's a five-star potential player. He's a top 10 player potentially in the 2024 recruiting class. You need that type of football player on this team. So 
we've talked a lot about Justin Scott over the years, Ryan. Everything that we hear from our intel, I know he had a good visit to Miami this weekend. We're going to hear that all the time. Sure. So we're going to always hear about you know, his good visits because it's Miami. Have you ever been to Miami and not had a good time? I haven't. But I still feel Notre Dame is the team to beat here. He's back to Notre Dame this weekend for the Blue Gold game. I believe he'll be back. On, he's at least expected to be back on campus this weekend for the Blue Gold game. And I like where Notre Dame is at, but it's it's about closing, man. And it's about the whole staff. And that's where they're at right now. I mean, it's not – I mean, you need our Washington to do a good job here. And if they yep. end up getting Justin Scott, he'll, he'll, he'll get some of the credit. But this is one of those ones you don't just put on the D-line coach by himself. No. It's got to be an, an entire staff getting after it and and they are and 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 i and i like where they're at but again you got to close because teams are gonna people are start throwing more and more and more at that kid let's just be honest about it and you've got to continue to remind him you know the opportunities are there for him at notre dame well and brian can i say this because i know we'll talk about a couple another interior players that notre dame's looking at on the defensive line but let's say notre dame just ends up simply with justin scott and owen waithless or two interior players in 2025 I mean, asking you as a person that's covered Notre Dame for a long time, that's the best interior defensive line class since question mark. I mean, long time, I would assume. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I'm trying to think Ryan when the last time they, cause they had the great DN class in 2000 and, in 2016 with Khalid Kareem, Dalen Hayes, Julian Aguara, Adi Takumba Ogandiji, but the best defensive tackle class. I mean, you'd probably have to go back to 2012 when they got Jerron Jones and Sheldon Day is probably the last time. And if they're as good as that duo, I'll take that, you know, and, yep. and Justin Scott is built like Jerron Jones. He's just a much better athlete and a, and a, you yes. know, and a more consistent effort guy. Owen Wafel and Sheldon Day. It's a lot of similarities there. A lot of similarities there. Shorter, long arms, explosive first step, you know, similar body type, except Owen is a little bit strong. Well, a lot stronger than what Sheldon was weight room strength than what Sheldon was. Sheldon was never a guy that like looked the part. If you ever saw him, right? He, he never, he just never looked the part, but he just was a heck of a football player. Just really like, good, man. Yeah. My wife, uh, my, they used to do this thing called fo- this football one oh one thing where it was, um, they would do a camp for women and, and they would teach women football. And they, and, and my wife loved it. She went there and she had a picture taken with Jalen Smith and Sheldon day. And you just see the picture and like Jaden's just like, just ripped up. And then Sheldon just kind of looks like somebody's uncle, you know what I mean? But the, you put the pads on and Sheldon can flat out play. And I think there's a lot of uh, him and him and Owen Wafel have a lot of similarities as players, in my opinion. Justin Scott is ju- is, is a much better version of Gerard Jones, but that would be the last time I'd say they had a, a legit one-two punch inside like that. And, and, you know, because now as a recruit, Justin Scott's also ranked higher than both of them. Or although Sheldon Sheldon Day was a five-star according to Scout, but that was back when Scout would literally name if you're in the top fifty, you were considered a five-star, and I think he was ranked like fiftieth. So, but still, very good player. Justin Scott will be ranked higher than that, in in my opinion. So, uh, you you got you got to get him, and that's a heck of a one-two punch. Now, anything you get inside beyond that one-two is just gravy. If you're able to get, uh, you know, and and let's just kind of finish the interior board with this, yeah. Ryan. There's really two names on the list that I think they have a legitimate shot at right now. That's T.J. Lindsey and Benedict Ume. Those are the two guys that they're on. I believe they're trying to get ben- Benedict Ume on campus this weekend. I believe. Uh, and then obviously TJ Lindsay comes on campus this weekend too, Ryan. And so uh, those guys are important recruits because I would not be opposed to a three man inside class and two man outside class. As long as one of the outsides is a Viper because of the fact that you got three big ends, you know, field ends basically in last year's class the guys you expect to play there. So uh, that's, you know, and then of course you have Aiden Gobira, who's also playing the big end position right now in that class. So I, I would not be opposed to taking a third interior player, Ryan. And I don't think Notre Dame would either if it was the right guy, in my view. And, and at that point too, if you had an Owen Wafel and a Justin Scott in the class, it, I mean, like you said, it, it's just making a strength even stronger. But I think the two players that you just talked about, they're so different and it makes it really interesting to me, right? As far as adding them to that group. Because you talk about a Benedict Ume, I mean, he's six foot five, six foot six, long, 265, 270 pounds, right? Like he's kind of that long t- cup of tea that like is a-, a mound of clay, basically, right? Like he can be as good as he wants to be, but he's not near finished his, as far as how game, good he is. His game is that way. Yes. That, I don't know how much more you can put on that body. I mean, he's ripped up. 
So, I mean, he's he's physically close to his full potential, in my opinion. I think he'll put some weight on. But his game is a, very much a work in progress. But yes, there's some is. tools to work with there. There's no doubt about that. Yep. And you don't see it get exposed as much because of the level of competition that he plays, again, plays against. But um, he is a guy that is going to need work. But he's yes. he's big and strong, and his straight line speed is pretty good. His lateral quickness, he's pretty tight-hipped, in my opinion. You may disagree with that, Ryan, but the the burst is really good, and that's why I project him inside because as an inside guy, that lateral quickness doesn't bother me as much at that sure. point in time. Well, and so. I think for for me, Brian, you know, we're talking about a guy if he's your third defensive uh, defensive tackle in the class or third interior player, you're like, I can work with that, man. Like yes. that's pretty nice, right? Yes. But then the other guy, I mean, I love TJ Lindsay, man. Yeah. I really like Lindsay's game out of Arkansas, out of Bryan High School, who they've won five straight state championships, by the way, in the state of Arkansas, mm-hmm. a dominant football team. And he is all of six, three and a half, six, four, 285, 290 pounds right now. Like he's a massive young man. He could also play nose to the next level. I think he could play a little bit of three tech. He plays on the edge a lot for Bryant, obviously, but he has that alignment versatility where he can play up and down the line of scrimmage a little bit. And a cool little update, Brian, I, I know that I have a piece coming out on him for kind of a visit preview for this week. But he was a guy that has kind of been maintaining for a while. And it's just like a quick update for people on TJ Lindsay that he's been talking about end of the fall season, end of my senior year, I'll make a decision. So kind of closer to signing day. In my recent conversation with him, he talked more about making that decision earlier in the season. So coming up. So he seems like he's starting to move that timeline up a little bit, which is very good for his chances to end up in the Notre Dame class if they have the room for him. Because that's kind of been the talking point is like Notre Dame likes TJ Lindsay. TJ Lindsay has liked Notre Dame for a long time. It's just about like the timelines matching up. It's kind of been the conversation point for me. Mm-hmm. And with that matching up a little bit, I think it's even more opportunity for him to potentially be in the class because he's a really good football player, man. And if you had him combined with the Justin Scott and an Owen Wafel, that's a dominant interior class, man. That's a really good – the smallest guy in that group is – Owen Wafel at 6'3", 292 pounds. Right. Like, that's just right. wild, man. It's absolutely that, wild. That would be like the dream. You want to talk about the dream scenario? Give me Justin Scott and one of those two kids. And that's, I mean, with Owen Wafel, and you're talking about, okay, you've restocked and reloaded up the middle. You're, you're, you, you've you got some really size. Nice you got some yeah. size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. Let's talk about the edge, Ryan, because this is the position to me. Like, inside, like, Ryan, I mean, look. You got three guys on the board. If you just get one of them, that's a good defensive tackle class. If you just get one of Lindsey and Ume, that's a good defensive tackle class, right? Because yep. I see, because I, I, I see Lindsey kind of as a three technique, maybe a nose. I think he may end up being a nose because he's already six four, six three, two ninety something. Yeah. In a, in a duo of Lindsey and, and Wafel, I can see Wafel being the three and Lindsey being the nose. I think Wafel's a little bit more athletic than Lindsay is, but I think Lindsay's powerful and, and productive yes. and a guy that's not just a run. A, 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 none of these guys are just space eaters, which is good because that's not what really Notre Dame does. And and honestly, I don't I don't think it's ever going to be who they are. So you give me one of those two guys, Ume, Lindsay with Wafel, that's a good D-tackle class. You give me Justin Scott and Owen Wafel, that's a really, really good defensive class, to tackle class. You give me Scott and one of those two other guys with Wafel, and that's one of the that's a gap clo- that's a gap closing inside defensive line hall. Now, it's gonna be hard to get yeah. that because I don't know if they're gonna get Lindsay. I don't know if they're gonna get Ume. There's work to be done there. They've got to close on Justin Scott, but I feel a lot better about getting a gap closing inside class right now than I do an outside class. Cause even if you just get Scott and Wafel, that's gap closing class. Yep. Cause you're talking about a one, a, a top 150 guy in my view and own Wafel with a five star in Justin Scott. And you've definitely moved the needle in a big way with that duo. Get three of them and you've gone a long way towards closing that gap inside, Ryan. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and I mean, you're, we're talking about being so excited this offseason that Jason O'Neill is up to 292 pounds, right? And Riley Mills up to 296. You're about to add three guys that are bigger than all those guys, just about, right? Especially bigger when them coming out of high school. I mean, literally, you're going 6'3, 292. Justin Scott is all of 6'4 and a half, 310. And then you got, you know, again, if you get Benedict Dume, he's a little bit of a longer kind of rocked out kid. But I mean, a TJ Lindsay is six foot four, 285, 290 plus pounds as well. So you're talking about adding 
impact and also adding impact size, which is something that you need to get more of, right? I mean, last year, Notre Dame was a little light inside. We talked about this, right? It's like Jason Amolola is 280, 285 pounds, you know, on a good day. Howard Cross is 270, right? 275, you know, like, and now we're talking about your smallest guy in a class being potentially 290 pounds. Like that's moving in the right direction if you're Notre Dame. So not only from an impact perspective on the interior, but also from the simple fact that you're getting bigger, something that you don't have enough of at Notre Dame, you would do that with that three-man yes. class without question. Because Wayful at 292, if I remember correctly, Ryan, and you were there, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe yeah. wasn't Lindsay like 293? So right around there. I think he was about 290, 293, so somewhere in that You're talking about three yeah. guys that are at least 292. Yep. 290. Ume is about 280, 285 right now. He'll be 300. He'll, He'll he'll look a lot like Darnell Campbell. You remember him, Ryan, from back oh, in the nineties, yeah. played Notre Dame. He, he yeah. Benedict Ume physically looks a lot like Darnell Campbell did. We're just ripped, just ripped, just big, big muscular, kid, just <laughs> thick. He'll be two ninety five, three hundred when it's all said and done. So you, you you're correct. You're getting big, but here's the key: you're not getting big and slow. No, because all these kids can move for interior guys, and that's an important piece of this thing too, Ryan. Very because you can't be a team that likes to blitz and pressure and play all types of different looks, and all you and you've got some big three hundred thirty pound kid that can't do anything but play over the nose. You just right. you can't run the offense that they want to run and or defense well, it, that they want to run. Any of those four guys with Wayful included, they could all play three tech if they wanted to, right? Because yes. they're they're twitchy enough. But then, then you're yes. going to be like, okay, but let's get them all on the field. So like then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Wayful plays nose, for instance, right? Maybe TJ Lindsay, your nose. Maybe Justin Scott is a guy that's interchangeable mm-hmm. between nose and three tech. Like that's where that conversation piece starts as far as who plays nose. But you're not really – it's fun because I think people – I've seen people ask this on the board before, and it's a very fair question of like, who's the nose that Notre Dame's recruiting? And I'm just right. like, I think they could all play nose if you wanted them to, but they're not right. noses by trait, right? Like there are three techs that can also play nose if you want to because you're and adding a lot of And that's never going to be who Notre Dame is, Ryan. The, look, yeah. the Lewis Lewis Nixes are, are unicorns at Notre Dame. They just are. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just not going to recruit a bunch of those guys, and, and, and they don't necessarily need it in this system, in my opinion. Right. And, and that's the other thing that people have to remember is this isn't a situation where – you know, hey, uh, you know, you, you need this guy or you're going to, you know, you're going to be in trouble or you're not going to be able to do this or you're going to do that or whatever the case may be. You're you're going to need guys that are can move and also have some size. And, and that's going to be the key. So they can all move. And I don't necessarily I mean, I want a big end like TJ Lindsay, who's going to I mean, guys, can we remember the like the two best nose tackles Notre Dame has had in the last 30 years were. Both guys that came to Notre Dame as linebackers from Chicago, Chris Zorich and 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 Bryant Young. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were linebackers from Chicago that grew into noses. And Chris Zorch was never really grew into a nose. And he wasn't really a nose. He was kind of a, a three technique, but he'd play some over the nose as well, I believe. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside, I feel good, Ryan. On the edge, a little bit of a different story. And and, and I think the narrative about the edge is, is kind of interesting because I think some people, this is a frustration that I have with some folks, especially this is more on the message board, but a little bit in the chat as well, is if it's not an elite guy, it's a, it's a guy that's not good. There's just right. this weird debate going on. And I think the Smith twins, Jared and Jacob Smith, are a perfect, perfect example of this discussion. To me, are Jacob and Jared Smith, like the gap closing, 
like, wow, you're going to go beat Georgia now type of players. I, I don't think that they are, but they're good football players who are being recruited by Georgia, right? Yes. They literally visited Alabama. Georgia recently, Michigan, yeah. right? Yeah. And so are they studs? I, I know you're a little high. I think you're a little higher on, on Jacob than, than I, I like am Jacob, right yeah. now. I think yep. Jacob's got a lot of upside. I think Jared's the better player right now, but he doesn't have the ceiling. Right. But they're both good football players. And so, yes, ideally you want to get the Elijah Rushings, and we'll get into him next. But I think as a fan base, we have to say, just because they didn't necessarily get gap closers here doesn't mean these kids aren't good football players. And that's kind of the conversation for me is I'm not going to sit here and try to convince people that landing in Jacob and Jared Smith is like, Georgia, here we come. Right? right? I'm, I'm not saying that. But they are still good football players. They still make you better. In my yeah. opinion, they still give you good depth, especially Jacob, because he's at a position where Notre Dame really needs a guy in this class. And there's other guys on the board. Logan Thomas is a guy whose upside I like a lot. Jacob's got a higher floor. Cameron Clark, I think Jacob's got a higher floor and, and a little bit of a higher ceiling. You know, you look at some of the other, the other, the other Vipers on the board, Ryan, that there's some I like, but I like Malachi Williams better than Jacob Smith. But right now, he doesn't like Notre Dame a whole lot, although he's visiting this weekend for the Blue yes, Gold game. And yep. maybe you can make a move on them. So I, I, the reality is, is if you if you end up with Jacob uh, Smith and Jared Smith, you just got two four star, top two fifty caliber edge players. There's nothing wrong with that, and I feel like yep. we've the ever since we kind of started really using this term gap closer. I feel like the narrative has become that if an individual player is not a gap closer, then I don't want them, and that's just nonsense. Right. Yes, I want gap closers, especially on the edge. You need to get those guys and they need to up their recruiting on the edge of that type of player. But that doesn't mean that these kids need to be poo-pooed and dismissed as like some three-star nobody that right. you know Notre Dame would have taken 10 years ago. No. Or 15 years ago, because 10 years ago they were signing like Aaron Lynch, Stephon Twitty, Jack Williams, but that's a different conversation. These aren't settle kids. That's the thing that needs to be to be understood. And to me, if you're able to get a Jared Smith and a Jacob Smith in this class to go with the guys you have. Now you say, okay, here's what we're putting all of our attention on now. Elijah rushing elite. Yeah. That's right. it. And Justin Scott, that is it. I mean, and there's something to that. And, and I, you know, there's good football players on the board. Are there any gap closers on the edge right now that we think Notre Dame has a shot with? No, we'll talk about that here in a second. When we finish up with Elijah rushing, but here's the thing, folks. When you look at Jacob Smith, Logan Thomas, Malachi Williams, Bryce Young, Jared Smith, and Cole Mullins, I think those are kids that right now Notre Dame has a, a, a pretty good shot at. And then Cameron Clark in there as well, although he's probably a little lower on that board. Yep. That's a lot of really good football players on that list. I'm are there any elite you. guys? No. I think Malachi Williams has a big-time ceiling, but yes. he's going to need a lot of work in the weight room. Yeah. But, you know, Cole Mullins is a kid I like a lot. Uh, he's another one. Bryce Young has a very high ceiling. So there's some talent there. And yeah. we need to be able to differentiate between, okay, is this guy a good football player, a great football player, or a guy that Notre Dame shouldn't be taking? And there's not a guy on that list that's in the not shouldn't be taking category. It's, okay, take him, but make sure you go out and get so-and-so also. And right. that's where I'm at with this DN class, Ryan. And, and I think we need to we need to remind people of that a little bit that it's not gap closer or bust because nobody signs gap closers. At, you know, the entire signing class is gap closers. And the last one that did that, Texas A&M, most of those guys are gone now. Right. That's the reality of it. Uh, and I think too, Brian, it's like for me, it's about Notre Dame stacking, right? Like getting good football players consistently year in and year out. I mean, the one miss was in 2023. You mentioned it was. You didn't get a Viper, right? The minute that Keon Keely decommitted, like it just wasn't. I mean, they tried to get in with some guys like Caleb Herring and, you know, those types of players that obviously ended up at Tennessee, Chadavian Bradley, who also ended up at Tennessee. Like they tried to get in with those types of guys. And, they, you know, they talked to some other dudes like Blake Purchase that ended up with Oregon. And, but they didn't get a Viper in 2023. Getting Viper types, especially, is very big in this class because, yes, you still have some young Vipers on the roster, like obviously Joshua Burnham now. But you need to continue to stockpile that, right? I mean, that is a spot where you need to continue to add impact talents. But at the end of the day, if you add well, – this is simply hypothetical, right? If you add a Jacob Smith and a Malachi Williams, for instance, in a class of your Vipers, and you have Jared Smith, 
along with Justin Scott, Owen Wafel inside, and then maybe one more strong side end mate, let's say a Bryce Young. It's a really good class, guys. Like, like, can we stop acting like that's not a good class? I mean, does it need to still get better? I think things always need to get better, right? Like, the minute you become stagnant at a position is the minute that you just kind of let teams have an opportunity to jump you, right? Or to close the gap on you and to be able to supplant you in certain areas. Like, you should never just be okay with being as good as you are. You should always want to be a little bit better. That's okay to feel that way. But ultimately, and yes, I know I'm higher on Jacob Smith, for instance, than some people in the chat, you know, that we talked about, right? But if you, again, there are really talented players in the sport. And people talk about the recruiting rankings all the time, Brian. You know what I care about more than anything is what does the offer list look like and what schools are pushing for some of these players? Like that matters to me. And I mean, you, you talk about the Smith twins. Georgia's coming after them. Alabama's yes. coming after them. Michigan. SEC schools are Michigan legitimately was. coming after them. Yeah. Michigan. Like, there's yeah. legitimate contending schools coming after these players. So I'm not going to sit here and just listen and be like, oh, I can't – like, someone in the chat is not going to tell me. And no one said this in the chat, so I'm just using this as an example. Jared Smith's a bad player. He's a bad right. player. No, he's not. He's not a right. bad player. Alabama would have offered him if he's I'm a bad right player. on Jared Smith, because I'm not as high on the Smith ones as you are, but I still see them as top 250 kids. Like, there's a difference between saying, hey, this kid's not very good and and, and what you're saying there, Ryan. But it, it's yeah. it's the, the argument that you're making about the Smith twins is the exact same one that I made about Benjamin Morrison two years ago. And, and, and when people would say, oh, yeah, I had, I literally had people call me a homer and all this other stuff. Cause I'm hype. You hype up all Notre Dame players. Well, no, I don't. Uh, number one, I said, why do you think Kyron Williams blocked me on Twitter? Because I had him ranked as like the lowest ranked kid in the class, you know, coming out. I didn't love Kyron Williams coming out. But the fact of the matter is the argument that I made then is number one, the film shines, but number two, Alabama, Nick Saban doesn't go out to Arizona for just any kid. Right. right. For especially a DB, that's Nick Saban's baby. He's a DB coach. Jimmy Lake doesn't push that hard for a kid for just anybody. Jimmy Lake is one of the best. Now he's in the NFL now, and he failed as a head coach. But when he was a position coach, D coordinator, there, there, the number of of DB coaches that are as good as him as coaches and evaluators of secondary players, you can count on one hand. And one of the fingers is going to stand for Nick Saban. And now one of those fingers, in my opinion, stands for Mike Mickens. But Jimmy Lake's in that. So that was kind of the argument. So these kids go to school in Connecticut, and Georgia hosted them for a visit. Bama's recruiting them. They had them on campus. Michigan's recruiting them. So you kind of got to look at it and say, maybe they know something that 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 Driscoll doesn't, you know, who because because they're not treating them like a borderline top 250 kids. Yeah. And so that's the thing for me is, is I'm that way, and I think I'm a pretty darn good evaluator of talent. And I'm still going to look at these kids and be like, you know what? They see something. So I've watched Jacob Smith recently, Ryan, and I'm watching the film. And I'm saying, okay, there's some stuff to work with there. I see what you're saying. I'm yeah. not like ready to throw them into the top 100, but you know, but these are these are good football players. But 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 here's the thing, though, Ryan. This is kind of funny about it. It's like, I, I I yes, they they got to close, and there's some concerns. But we're we're literally complaining about guys right now that are top 100 recruits according to some jacob smith is considered the number 103 player in the country according to espn and he's in the top 220 according to uh 24 7 sports and 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 rivals right and then his his brother i believe jared is 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 ranked i think by some even higher uh no actually not anymore espn has number 169 he's ranked number 230 by 247 uh 247 sports and so these are top 250 football players yeah. Could they do better? Maybe. But these are good football players. And that's the thing that we have to remember about these guys. Now, There's, here's the thing, though, Ryan. Yes. Yep. They're not locks to Notre Dame. No. Like, and that's the other thing, too, is like, you, 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 we might want to cons- like pump the brakes a little bit on this poo poo and the Smith twins because they're not locks. And if you don't get them, we're having a whole different conversation about what this class is going to look like, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's something we got to consider, too. It is. It is because they've been the, the the two that you have felt best about for a long time on the edge, but it's still not like a foregone conclusion to Notre Dame to your point, right? Like that's kind of, you know, you need to right. obviously continue to close on them. I mean, they've been on campus multiple times, I think four times now, yeah. <laughs> you know, they've been on campus yeah. and obviously there's an affinity for Notre Dame, yeah. but there is still a lot of competition for the Smith twins. Like it's not just a throw in that Michigan, they are Notre like, Dame so- or Locke. 
somebody said, you know, offer lists and schools want to take their commitments are two different things. Sure. Here's the thing. Don't think just because you don't like a player that the, those schools don't. Michigan would take the Smith Twins right now. Yesterday. They would take them yesterday. And Georgia's yeah. <laughs> pushing hard for them as well. Like Georgia's yeah. trying to get them back on campus for another visit. You don't do that for some guy that they just offered and uh, whatever. He's a backup plan. They like those kids. That's the thing you all yeah. have to understand. You may not, and I understand that, and, and, and that's okay. But there's just a lot of aggressiveness about how disappointing the defensive line board is right now. And my whole thing is if you want to question their ability to close, fair game. Fair game. But there's a good board in place right now. There is. Yeah. Uh, Cole Mullins is a kid who's feeling – now, he's not ranked super high, Ryan, but he's coming up this week. That's another kid that we don't talk a lot about that I like a lot. And, 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 and right he, now he's a Viper. He's a Viper now but could end up being a – you know, end up side. growing into a big end. I, I think he's kind of got the frame to eventually, eventually grow into a big – a really athletic big end. He, he's one of those three-star kids that not many people have recruited, doesn't have a great offer list. But I pop into film and I'm like, this kid can flat-out play. He is probably the most technically advanced of any of the ends on the board, Brian, because he is a physical run defender, man. Like he sets a firm edge. He plays at Mill Creek for people that don't know. That's where Caleb Downs came out of last year. And they play some competition there in Georgia, folks. So they play some mm-hmm. good teams. And Cole was productive last year for Mill Creek. You know, he's about 6'4", 240 pounds is what he's listed at. Probably more in the 6'3", 6'3 and a half range. But he is – Silly physical, man. Like, he really sets a firm edge. I, I question, you know, what the upside is as a pass rusher, but, like, he does all the dirty work that you want at the big end position. Right. If that's where he ends up, you know, being a 265-ish pound type of kid because he will be physical with his hands. He'll play with good leverage. He's a good player, man. He really is. He plays against very good competition. And you're right. We don't talk about him enough, but he is also going to be on campus very soon on the 19th, actually. So he's going to be on here on Wednesday on campus at Notre Dame. So he's a player to definitely, definitely keep an eye on. There's no doubt about that. Other guys on the board, Ryan, obviously this weekend at Viper uh, is going to, we're going to know if Notre Dame's got a shot with Malachi Williams this weekend. And and he's a kid who I love on film, but he's another guy, Ryan, that like you look at his ranking and I'm going to check his updated rankings because it's been a while since I checked. But the last time I checked, he wasn't a guy that had necessarily a a really impressive rankings list. Yeah, he's ranked number 205 by on three, 247 by rivals. He's a three star by 247 sports and ESPN hasn't found the time to even evaluate him yet. (laughs) But I watched this kid's film. I'm like, this is a guy that's got dude potential, like big time. He's just skinny. He's just small. He's just not a guy that's going to play as a freshman. But, you know, I feel about him as a potential viper the way that I did about Jeremiah Wusukoromoa coming out of high school. A guy, if you remember, a three-star recruit that I ranked as a four-star, four-and-a-half-star upside. And and he's got that kind of potential, in my opinion. He's got dude potential. It may take some time, but he's got dude potential. But so far, Ryan, you've you've told me he, he doesn't seem to be – I mean, he likes Notre Dame enough to come visit him for the Blue Gold game, but he doesn't seem to be like as fired up about them as maybe some other teams. Yeah. This weekend's their chance to make a move with him. No, I really, I mean, he is to your point, Brian. I mean, he's probably 205, 210 pounds right now. Yeah. Like he's a very skinny kid, six four, six five, somewhere in that ballpark. Plays in Philadelphia in in you know the uh in kind of that Catholic school league out there in Philly. And but he is a twitchy, long, athletic kid, man. Like it's I think it's like the first or second play of this highlight tape, Brian. You see him kind of lay out for a tackle you're like oh that's a length right there man like he's got some long arms big tackle radius and he's twitched up if yeah. he is developed properly he 100 percent has due potential i think he has oh, five yeah. star upside like he has oh, that yeah. much agree right agree yeah someone asked me in a mailbag i think it was like three or four weeks ago of like to rank the defensive line board as far as upside and floor brian and i'm pretty sure i gave the the lowest floor to Malachi, but also the highest ceiling yes. to Malachi. Like he's yes. that type of player, man. He's this year's version of Bubakar Traore. That's what yep. he is. Yep. I mean, Bub- now he's a Viper. Bubakar is more of a big end, but Bubakar Traore, if you look at just where you grade players now, was I think my lowest or second to lowest defensive player in the class last year. Yep. Just as far as where he's now. He missed most of his senior year. He's very raw. But I think I also had him number one, and you had him number two on your upside board. Like I can see Bubakar being nothing more than a, at best, a Nana Osafa Mensa type, maybe, maybe even an Alexander Ehrensberger type, a guy that just shows ability but never is able to make turn turn it on, or 
he could be the best big end they've had since Stefan to I mean, he sure. has that kind of gap in the, between the floor and the ceiling. I mean, I do think Bubakar could be that good. It just, I don't know where I knew Aaron Lynch at the very least was going to be good. Right. Right. <laughs> like he was going to be good. Stefan to You're like, okay, he's going to be pretty good. Aaron Lynch is going to be pretty good. Will they be stars? We'll find out, but they're going to be pretty good. This is the kind of kid that you take a flyer on because he is from the North. He's not being pursued by Bama, Georgia, teams like that as as heavily. But you say, if this kid pops, you're going to be good. And you, and here's the thing, too, why I, I really covet him a lot, because they don't necessarily need him to if, – if Notre Dame was somehow able to get Malachi Williams, you don't need him to come in and play right away because you do have another year of Josh Bur- jo- uh, Jordan Batejo. You have still four years left, three in, you know after this season of, of – of Josh Burnham, you still have three years, two after this season of of Junior to Alamaca. Plus, Preston Zinter could eventually grow into that position as well. He could, yep. So uh, you can take a flyer on a kid like that. In my and, and same thing with Logan Thomas, who I don't I don't think Notre Dame's in a position to land him right now. I mean, there, there's there. I think he likes Notre Dame, Ryan. If you if you, yeah. you can kind of give the lace there, but he, he's a bit of a long. But he's another guy. He's not coming in to help you in 2024. He's not going to be helping you as a freshman. But you let that guy get some time in the weight room and things like that. He could end up being a pretty good player. Yeah. Uh, but I also, I mean, I know you also feel that way about Jacob Smith. He's a little bit more physically advanced than those guys. But I know you are you are really high on Jacob Smith as a potential edge rusher at the I, next level. Yeah, I think in my evaluation, I, I put a top one hundred and fifty grade on him. Like I, mm-hmm. I really, I really do like Jacob a lot, man. He is a six three and a half, six four, two hundred twenty seven pounds pass rusher right now. Right, like that was verified at Notre Dame. He's got good length for the position. I think when you compare him to Logan Thomas, for instance, like Logan is six three and a half ish somewhere in that ballpark, and probably two hundred five, two ten. Like he's a similar body type to Malachi, not quite as long as Malachi Williams, though. They're a little bit of more developmental guys. I think Jacob Smith is going to be two hundred thirty five, two hundred forty pounds before he steps foot on campus, wherever he ends up. But I think that I, I, because this is just my opinion, Brian, and you know you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one because I'm not, and I'm not referring to you in this sense at all. I'm saying I think the perception on Jacob gets dwindled a little bit because people aren't as high on Jared, it seems, so that they're yes. like, oh no, Jacob's not that good. Yes. Like he's the Smith twins aren't that good in general. It's but I like, think Jared's the better player right now. Like more in advanced, high school, I definitely. think Jared's the better player right now. The only issue I have with Jared is the size. That's yeah. my. Own. I actually think Jared Smith's a really good football player, a really good football player. Just my concern is his size. Yeah, because and then you see him in person, and him and Jacob have completely different bodies. <laughs> yes, like they're not like Justin and Jason Adamiola, where one's a little bigger than the other, but they look like the same exact kid. These are not identical twins; they're fraternal twins. Yep. Jason and Justin were identical twins, and Jared has a completely different build and body than Jacob does. Jacob looks like wow, that's an SEC looking defensive edge. Jared does not. But then you pop on the film and you're like, dang, this kid can play. So yeah. that's the interesting thing about it is I actually think Jared's the better player. I just think Jacob's the better prospect right yeah. now. But they're both good football players. Another guy, uh, another guy, Darian Mayo, I, I, I don't think they're going to – I think the staff is kind of not pushing for him as hard right now. Uh, I think that they realize that that's just not a guy they're probably going to have a shot to get. So I don't think they're necessarily pushing as hard. I think the visit went well, but I just think that there's other guys they see. Last guy to me, Ryan, is Bryce Young. This yeah. is the last guy I want to talk about because I have no clue what's going on with Bryce Young. Like weird, everything we it? hear, he's yeah. going to come to Notre Dame. He's going to pick Notre Dame. And then, but he just, he never tweets about Notre Dame ever. He has not come back on a visit in a while. He's visiting USC and everybody else. It's a weird situation because every yeah. time I talk to sources, I go, like, oh, no, we're, we're good. We're good. We're good. I'm like, it doesn't seem good to me, you know, but I'll <laughs> trust you. Uh, that's a that's a that's a strange recruitment right now, and and a guy that we've had a hard time getting getting a hold of to talk to as well. So it's a very strange recruitment. It's it is very it's honestly very weird because I mean he was just at Michigan and you see him in a Michigan uniform yesterday, right? It's just like th- this is one of those Brian he's been where to USC I, as well. He's been US, yeah, yeah, he's been all over the place, man. He's he's blowing up from an offer perspective. Like he just keeps reeling in offers, right? Like everyone seems to be after Bryce Young now. Now that he's up to you know six five two forty and his body's really developing, right? <laughs> right. I, I mean, for me, Brian, it, it's just one of those situations where 
I feel like I'm just kind of sitting back and observing, right? Like the actions speak louder than words, in my opinion, in some of these situations, right? It's like, yes, we hear that Notre Dame's in a great position. We hear that Bryce Young is, you know, we feel, you know, that they feel good about Bryce Young being in the class eventually, all that great stuff, but keeps going on visits, man. Eddie keeps posted, you know, other schools, uniforms and whatnot. And again, I, I don't hyper-focus on Twitter too much, but if a kid is still taking visits, that tells me that it's not a foregone conclusion, right? That there's still teams that are actively pursuing heavily. So I think that's one where it, does Notre Dame probably have the inside track or that you still feel good about it? Yes. But also if he's still taking visits, I can't sit here and adamantly say like, yeah, I think Rush Young is definitely going to end up in the class. Like I can't say that right now. I can't right. because I literally, I was on Twitter yesterday, you know, cause I took a little bit of a break from Twitter, you know, just a, a slight one. And I see him in a Michigan uniform, right. And say like, go blue question mark. Like that, that's the yeah. facts guys. Like that's not yeah. me speculating. Like he is going on visits and, that's his process. He is welcome yeah. to do that. I'm just saying for the people that think it's just a foregone conclusion, not saying that it's a foregone I, I don't think yeah. it's a foregone conclusion is all yeah. I'm saying. It was at one point. It yeah. was at one point. I just don't know if it is now. Yep. And I and I don't believe he's scheduled to come on campus this weekend either for the blue-gold game, which is yep. a bit of a head-scratcher, to be completely honest with you. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. 